0: Power on. <laughs> Captain Power and the soldiers of the future. Earth-2147, the legacy of the metal wars, when man fought machine and machines won. Bio-dreads, monstrous creations that hunt down human survivors and digitized them. Vulcania, center of the Bio-dread empire. Stronghold and fortress of Lord Dread, feared ruler of this new order. But from the fires of the Metal Wars arose a new breed of warrior, born and trained to bring down Lord Dread and his Bio Dread Empire. They were soldiers of the future, mankind's last hope. Their leader, Captain Jonathan Pollard, master of the incredible power suits which transform each soldier into a one-man attack force. Major Matthew, Hawk Masterson, fighter in the sky. Lieutenant Michael Tank Ellis, ground assaulting. Sergeant Robert, Scout Baker, espionage and communications. And Corporal Jennifer, pilot Chase, tactical systems expert. Together they form the most powerful fighting force in Earth's history. Their creed to protect all life. Their promise to end Lord Dredd's rule. Their name, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future.
1: Welcome to the show. This is episode 21 of Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last. So, this is a special episode. You know, I like to do these to keep things fresh and fun for me. And I have one of my favorite guests uh, returning to the show. And we are going to be discussing our favorite Super Nintendo games. So, Adam McNabb, uh, the lead singer of Look A Set, is on the show today. And we're talking Super Nintendo. I also put out an all call last week and actually before last week for people to send in their viewer feedback, viewer feedback, listener feedback uh, questions. So I am going to do that right now in a brand new segment called listener feedback. We might be one of the first people ever to indulge listener feedback. So now it's time for some beyond synth listener feedback. Did I say feedback? Like I said, feedback. All right, fine. This is the this this segment is now called the Listener Feedback. Doesn't really mean anything, but uh, enjoy the Listener Feedback. All right, so this is a message from Troy, and Troy writes, "Hey Andy, not sure if you're still taking questions, but here goes. Probably didn't need to read that part. Do you remember the Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future show from 87-88? It was a live-action sci-fi show produced in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, and was a huge part of my childhood." I have not seen any reference to the show in the synthwave scene, nor do my similarly aged friends remember it. Which always baffled me as I thought it was considered a classic. They released a whole line of interactive toys which you could actually play along with the show and home videos. Total Telefuture stuff. Not directly synth related, but it's been bugging the hell out of me lately. And hey, you're Canadian, so you must be able to help. Right? Hope all is well and keep up the great work. And that is from Troy a.k.a. Mindsinger. P.S. The name Mindsinger was actually a female hacker character who appeared in one really good episode. Alright, so this was basically a question about Captain Power. Not to be confused with Captain Planet, because Captain Planet was fucking lame. But uh, Captain Power was pretty awesome. Um... So, do I remember Captain Power? Absolutely, I do. I played a sample of it before the intro of today's episode, so people who don't know Captain Power will get a taste of it. So, Captain Power was a kid's show, and it's one of those kid's shows that when you see footage of it, it's clearly something that could never be made today and be called a kid's show. It's so dark, first of all, like the actual look of the show was dark. I think. That's the main thing I remembered that I took away from the show. One, I was a kid who wasn't allowed to play with violent toys, alright? So I didn't have G.I. Joes and stuff like that. So Captain Power was out. Because the whole premise of Captain Power was you had these toys where during the episodes there'd be these robots running around with like flickering chest plates and you would shoot at the screen and your gun would like make sound effects as the episode was going. So I always felt a little bit left out because I never had the toys. I felt as though I couldn't really appreciate or enjoy the show because part of it was having those toys. And the other thing was that the show was just really dark visually. Like it took place in some weird kind of post-apocalyptic sort of future. It was live action. Uh, and it was filmed very dark. It was like it always took place at nighttime. There were these very uh, old school um, CGI robot characters, at, you know, at the dawn of CGI, which were awesome. So they were very uh, simple looking blocky robots. It's just interesting seeing those shows, you know, in the 80s, the kid shows that uh, that we grew up with, where they just do things that you just wouldn't do in a show now. Have characters run around with guns, threatening to murder other characters in the show. I think there's just sort of things that they don't do in shows now. Like, I think they avoid, like, using the words kill and uh, threatening people with with that sort of violence. But, uh, yes, to answer your question, yes, I have definitely heard of Captain Power. And it's uh, it's a weird show, but you should definitely check it out. Uh, and you can just see how sort of scary that that show probably was for a kid because it was some intense stuff. And I have a, a letter here from a guy called Marson JP. I'm not actually going to read the letter because we, we sort of had a conversation back and forth. And I uh, told him I would bring it up on the program. But uh, this dude is working on a game. So he was, he's a fan of the podcast. He got in touch with me asking advice about getting music from the scene uh, for a video game he's making. And the video game is called uh, Turbo Smash Blade. And uh, here's some of uh, what he had to say. Anyway, at this stage in our development, we're starting to look around for musicians to help nourish our game's soundtrack. We have an enormous amount of respect for musicians, so it's not without shame that, unfortunately, we have no budget to speak of and wouldn't be able to pay them with any more than the breadcrumbs lining our pockets. So if you guys like breadcrumbs like I do, you can check out the page. So there's an indie DB page for this game called Turbo Smash Blade, which these guys are working on. Uh, It's sort of a cartoonish... It's hard. It's hard for me to sort of explain the game. It's an action game. Uh, You can with a with a cartoony art style, and you can check it out. I think the site is uh, IndieDB, So that's the word indie i n d i e d b dot com slash games slash Turbo-Smash-Blade. Check it out, and if you guys are interested, these guys are looking for tracks. So this is an all-call to sort of artists who listen to the show and producers and stuff. If you want to get your track, or you want to get some songs in a game, sounds like a cool guy, and they sound like reasonable guys. They're not requesting that artists, you know, start making new music and stuff specifically for the game, but if you have some old tracks, and if you like the game that they've made, and and if you believe in... Uh, the game that they're working on, and you have some old tracks or something that you want to donate to the game, uh, get in touch with those dudes. Uh, so again, that's uh, inddbcom slash game slash Turbo Smash Blade. So check that out. And that is a guy called Marson, I think. I'm going to pronounce the C as a soft C. And here's a question that was sent to me on audio. I was recently on a podcast called Ozone Late Night, hosted by a guy called Joe Esposito. And uh, we talked for a very long time. I think he actually split that up into two episodes. I was his guest. And uh, I think he he had me on the show wanting to talk about retro 80s stuff. And we ended up talking about video games for the whole thing. And I think I even talked about Mortal Kombat for... um, Probably like the first hour, which I should point out, if anyone did listen to that episode of Ozone Late Night, there's going to be a little bit of repetition in this one because um, Adam McNabb and I talk about Mortal Kombat and I hit a lot uh, or some of the same points. I mean, my opinion hasn't changed. So every time I talk about Mortal Kombat, I say a lot of the same things. And uh, on the Ozone late night podcast, I talked about it for 45 minutes. I do not talk about Mortal Kombat for 45 minutes in this episode, but I probably do talk about it for six or seven. But it's a funny little segment. So I apologize. I am aware that I hit a lot of the same beats. Anyways, uh, so Joe was kind enough to have me on his show. So he sent me this question in. And I told him, uh, yeah, if he wanted to send in an audio question, that'd be cool. And if he wanted to plug his podcast at the same time, uh, that was uh, fun too. So here he is asking a question and yes.
2: Hey Andy, this is Joe from over at the Ozone Nightmare podcast. And I am recording this in response to your Twitter message where you were looking for some listener feedback. Now I came to your show pretty early after getting into Synthwave music in general, because one of the things that I do when I find a new musical style that I like is go out and try to locate a resource to get exposure to a variety of artists in that genre and then start building my music library. And I initially listened to episode 13, which was the Betamax episode of Beyond Synth, And when I started listening to it, what I was expecting was a pretty standard music show where it was probably going to be an artist promoing a new album or talking about an album that was available for sale and some tracks being played. And that was kind of what I thought I was in for. And that was it, which is fine. But, you know, it is just what it is. It's, It's a sampler. And that is not the episode that I got out of the Betamax episode. Once I started, once it occurred to me that I was still listening to it and there was GoldenEye discussion, the video game going on, I kind of knew I was hooked and I kind of knew I had to go back and start listening to all the episodes because that's not the standard music podcast that I'm used to listening to. That's what makes it so good. And I'm glad that I did because the first episode you ever did was with the guy who did your theme music, the artist Ogre. And once I heard some of his stuff, I pretty, I would say within five to ten minutes, if I even waited till the episode was over, I went out and got 194 and Calico Braum, which are two just dynamite albums that he did and that I still have on a heavy rotation as I'm recording this right now. And, uh, and that was also part of the reason the show, the strength of the show was another reason that I wanted you to come on to the late night show that I do over on our website, which is at ozone because I wanted other people to not only get exposure to you as the host, but to, to then go find your show and get into this music and, I've already gotten responses back from listeners of our show saying that they've done just that. Uh, and that's exactly what I want. I knew that this show was not just something that I liked. I knew that the quality of it was something that a lot of people could get something out of. And if I could also by way of your show, expose more people to this type of music, then mission accomplished, and that's what I've been able to do. So I am an absolute fan. I think the show is just exceptionally well done. I think it is a fantastic resource for people who are into this music, and I look forward to more shows, more artists, and being able to go out and find more new stuff thanks to you. So, Andy, it's just a great show, and uh, thanks for putting it out there. I'm looking forward to hearing more of it. All right, later.
1: Hmm. So more of a comment then. But uh, otherwise, good stuff. Uh, Yeah, Joe's a cool guy. Um, It was fun being on his show. And uh, yeah, that's what he had to say, which is uh, very kind and flattering stuff to me. So that's great. Uh, I like to listen to stuff like that, and now you get to listen to it too and just know that as I was sitting there listening to that, I was smiling. Because it's good when people say nice things about the things you do. Got a question here from Lone Wolf a lone wolf star child he says andy you're a cheeky schlag and i love you for it by the way do you have somewhere that i can donate money to the show because i think you deserve it lots of love from a lone wolf Well alone, Wolf. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while. I mean, of course it would be nice to get a a little bit of money. It would help with the uh, hosting costs and all that stuff. And and also maybe allow me to make more episodes than I normally would. But I'm not the kind of guy who's going to put like a donate button on the website. Like to me, that's weird. Uh, I think the podcast will always be free. One funny thing I could do is just really hound Kavinsky... (laughs) finally get the kavinsky interview and then charge everybody for it would be hilarious but no i'm not going to i'm not going to do anything like that so what i've been thinking about doing and maybe people might have some some ideas is i want something to sell you know like i'm going to make a product that i can sell and then probably pimp it on the show as sort of a hey the podcast is always going to be free glad you guys like it if you like it and if you want to help out the show here's a thing on bandcamp you can buy it's like you're supporting the show sort of thing however the thing that i make might not be what people are expecting uh so that will be sort of interesting but i don't have a, i don't have a plan as of yet so the bottom line is thank you very much alone wolf for your uh awesome compliment and uh yeah i think in the future i would i would like to have something, uh, some sort of product or something to sell that would be a way for people to, to donate to the show. But right now I don't and I don't ever intend the show to, to be anything but free and uh, for you guys to, to enjoy it. And hopefully new listeners and stuff can, can get a lot out of it too because there's already you know 20 hours of fun conversation content to, uh, to listen through. And uh, hopefully there'll be a a lot more in the future. I'm not really sure what my point is anymore. Thanks, Wolf. And this is a letter from Eon D. Filho, I think it's pronounced, or Filho. I'm going to say Filho. He says, Hey Andy, your show is great and fun. Those words were capitalized. These artists really deserve way more attention. Keep it going. Cheers from Brazil. Eon. P.S. Where can I read about jacket news? Well, I'm not sure where you can read about jacket news right now, but I know where you can get some right here. And I'm speaking now to Vincenzo, who is going to tell you what the jacket news is for Brazil.
3: Hey, Andy. Yeah, please repeat the question.
1: First of all, how's it going?
3: Yes, I'm very well, Andy. I, I just finished uh, to watch some um, lingerie le- commercials and uh, I'm relaxing.
1: I understand that you uh, just
3: moved. Yes, I am in a new, new apartment and I, I was uh, without internet uh, for all this time.
1: What is the weather like uh, in Italy right now?
3: In Italy right now, in Potenza especially, it's, it's uh, snowy. You can't believe, but uh, when people imagine uh, southern Italy, imagine... Uh, Sun, uh, pizza, spaghetti, mandolino, and uh, and uh, sun. But uh, it is snowy today.
1: Did you say it was snowing?
3: Yes, it is it's snowing. You have to cover yourself and uh, run away in the snow.
1: This particular person, Eon, who wrote the letter, is from Brazil.
3: I know Eon. We are friends on Facebook and Twitter. So I I'm talking uh, right to you, Eon. Uh, you don't uh, don't have this problem because uh, I imagine in Brazil uh, it's often uh, warm. So you don't have to choose uh, your jacket.
1: You're saying that since the weather is so nice in Brazil that Eon doesn't have to choose a jacket at all. Uh, yes, exactly. Perhaps then we should give him uh, some sort of shirt news.
3: Yes, um, shirt news. So you have to choose uh, between um, a long shirt or a short sleeve and... Um, No, 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 Andy. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's too hard today for me.
1: (laughs) I enjoy hearing you try to work through it, though. It's awesome. What would you say are good colors to go uh, MILF hunting in Brazil?
3: Well, I I never met um, a MILF from Brazil. I met MILFs from um, Ukraine. And uh, Italy in Brazil, I imagine uh, milfs like uh, colors, uh, brightful colors uh, like yellow, green, uh, orange, um, and <laughs> and or all, all together. I imagine uh, yellow and uh, and green is is good for milfs with brown hair, but I imagine milfs with blonde hair should prefer um, a color like um, red.
1: You say it with such certainty. That's what's awesome about it. All right, man. Well, Ian, I hope that uh, Ian, I hope that answers your question. Let me know if uh, if that is a satisfactory answer from the great Vincenzo Salvia. Uh, do you Do you have anything uh, going on right now?
3: I'm preparing three albums. One uh, with the circuiters. uh It's uh, um, NFP. Uh, an Italian EP, and I'm I make it something new. Maybe I will sing uh, on uh, on a track in in Italian. This is uh, something new for the scene because I never listened to tracks with the vocals in uh, Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope um, people will like it. Uh, and I'm working on uh, another uh, EP. On a French label, I can't uh, reveal at the moment. With um, Billy Venus, he is a, a singer from uh, from Texas, and uh, we are making something uh, new disco in the dance, a little uh, a bit funky influence. Uh, I found a new um, a new label. The label is uh, Donner Music from uh, from Italy, and uh, this is a very important step for me, because uh, this is a big label uh, here in Italy, and um, it's. The first label uh which um produce uh synthwave with the, uh, with me i am the first Synthwave, uh, official Synthwave artist uh, in italy uh, because the scene here is um is small mm-hmm. and, uh, this is a, a big label and um with a distribution from uh sony sony music. I'm a bit anxious uh, because uh, I hope uh, my music uh, will go strong. So I I made uh, three tracks for um, this, uh, this EP and uh, I think I will uh, relax for all the year because uh, I'm uh, totally stressed. <laughs> because <laughs> I, when I have a fr- the, the, my free day, I, I work uh, on uh, all the albums uh, one track on the morning, uh, the other track on the lunchtime, the other track on the afternoon, and I go. Uh, I return on the first track to listen again, and uh, this is uh, quite crazy. Yeah,
1: for sure. Cool, man. Well, I wish you, uh, I wish you luck on uh, all these projects you're working on, and I look forward to hearing them. And uh, we'll have you back on. Thank you. When you've got something to play me, when they're not uh, secrets anymore.
3: Okay, sounds good, uh, Andy. Did
1: you enjoy hearing? Uh, ogre and i uh talk about you in the uh the last episode or the was that the last one or the one before
3: the last i think uh with the, with mega drive and uh yes <laughs> you uh, you and robin are, are my heroes <laughs> 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 all
1: right man well it was uh, it was good talking to you and uh, we'll fucking uh, catch up with you one of these days.
3: Okay, Andy. It was um, very, very funny to talk with you again. And uh, I hope uh, to come back uh, with um, the my Jack news. And uh, something, uh, new, uh, ah, <laughs> something new. Something new. Funcoola.
1: What does that mean? Did you just say fancula? What was that? <laughs> it's fuck.
4: <laughs> cooler, it's fuck. <laughs>
3: Teach me that. <laughs> the, the word is uh, vaffanculo. It's uh, vaffancula uh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> vaffanculo. Va when, uh, <laughs> when you are uh, angry, you you say vaffanculo and uh, you you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel better now because I can speak English.
1: <laughs> and I feel better too. Vaffancula. Spaghetti.
3: Vaffanculo, <laughs> spaghetti. Vaffanculo,
1: spaghetti. I fucked up. All right, man. Well, you have a lovely day, and it was a uh, good talking to you.
3: Yes, yeah, so thank you, and I wish um, I wish you all the best. I can wait to hear your new episode. It's uh, it's always uh, so funny. <laughs> you are you are a genius. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Vaffanculo. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, this is a question from Jeff Harrington. Uh, Jeff Harrington asks, Hey there, Sir Andy Last. Here is some listener mail. LOL. Stands for Laugh Out Loud. My question is, are there any plans to have the godfather of synth himself, Rick Shithouse, on the podcast? well rick shithouse as you know is the uh the guy who runs the whole synthetics blog very important to the scene in many ways uh he's created a a very welcoming place and a very supportive place for artists in the synthwave scene with the reviews that he does on synthetics and also the facebook which is super important to the whole thing um as for having him on the show uh i don't know rick do you do you want to be on the show do i have to well, I mean, you don't have to, but uh, hey, you're the Godfather of Synth. Please don't call me that. Fair enough. I'm not the Godfather
5: of Synth. The Godfather of Synth is Mr. Korg or Mr. Cassio or Mr. Yamaha. Uh, the title that's been given to me, uh, rather unwillingly, I might add, is the Godfather of Synth Wave. All right,
1: well, what would you like to be called?
5: You can call me Rick. Rick is just fine. Or Mr. Shithouse. Actually, Andy, I'd prefer if you called me Mr. Shithouse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, well, um, see you later, Mr. Shithouse. And that was Rick's shithouse. In answer to your question, will I ever have him on the show? Fuck no. And uh, the final question here is from a dude called Andrew Housen. And he says...
6: Hi, Andrew. Well, <laughs> Thanks for calling. I haven't introduced you yet. That's fine. You're just going to be there? Have we started or what? Like, I, <laughs> you just, I just never know what to do with you, Andy. You know, I just don't know what to do with you anymore.
1: All right. So uh, I should say now to help me uh, field this final question, I have brought in droid bishop
6: how you guys doing out there
1: i was going to introduce you after i read the question but now that you're here i guess we'll just you
6: can do it again if you want
1: no no no. that's the way it's going to be now that's the way it's got to be
6: all right let's roll
1: this question is from andrew housen and he says hey andy gotta say man i'm a huge fan of your show your voice is butter to my ears then he says I always started out reading the compliment part, and then we just dwell on it for a while. Do you have anything to say about that compliment?
6: Um, he sounds like he's trying a little too hard to get on your show.
1: Well, he's here now in spirit.
6: Andrew, my man, what's going on?
1: Do you want me to- I'll I'll play him now as a character. How about that? You can be me, and then I will be Andrew Hyson- (laughs)
6: I can't even do your laugh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even try.
1: No human can. Anyway, let me read this guy's question. Okay. So he says, do you have any tips for anybody looking to get into creating some sweet 80s revival tunes? I wouldn't know where to start. Thanks again. And then he wrote end of the line, which I think is like his sign off. That's morbid. How do you feel about that as a sign off?
6: It's cool. Andrew, I like your style, man. Keep working. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your thing going. You're you good. Your first track's done.
1: So, uh,
6: <laughs> house house synth. Yeah, is that right? House synth. His last name synth. How
1: Like H O W S O N. I hope he doesn't mind that I'm reading his name.
6: Andrew, your first step is come up with a name, and your name is House Synth. Now, okay.
1: Oh, there you go. Good. All right. So that's one thing settled. So I wanted to take this time because you know there's a lot of uh, artists popping up in the synthwave scene now. And sometimes it's a little hard to keep track. Yeah. I would say, and I had this discussion with Arcade High, I think the main focus of new artists should be having some sort of an original sound. And I know that's a very sort of basic thing to say, but I feel like any new artist coming into the scene, sometimes it feels like there's a lot more or there's sort of like this sort of homogenous sound when a lot of the artists come in and sort of have stuff that's hard to distinguish from the other stuff that's coming in. So people should try and focus on bringing some, something original there, whether it's with vocals or using some sort of interesting synth that maybe like carries through their tracks if they're going to do instrumental tracks you have to find some other way to sort of create like
6: the vocal of the track if i may interject for one second on that thing i think some people uh, think you can do an instrumental track that's meant to have a vocal on it and put that out instrumentally and to me that doesn't really work because you're not treating it like an instrumental song that needs its own story being told melodically because there's no lyrics or words mm-hmm. there's a pop structure going on with a verse chorus type structure but it's just a track without vocals and that kind of confuses me a little bit yeah if you're not gonna have a, a singer you know a melody like you know like jazz if there's a solo trumpet player playing an old standard that that works mm-hmm. but if you're just gonna have arpeggios kind of going throughout that's an arpeggios not a melody yeah 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 let's just get that out there it's an awesome Tasty ear candy part of the song that that I love when they're in there But you gotta have something on top telling you something melodically a story or what I know that sounds weird without words But it makes sense trust me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that should be everyone's focus. and You can tell when say um, Rick shithouse does an album review on on synthetics and chooses a new artist to sort of focus on and stuff. Those artists can stand out because they they're doing something that's like, oh, this is different. Like there was a new a new dude starts with an M.
6: Oh, Maroney. Yeah, myron myron Mar- 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 yeah, yeah, the guitar guy. That guy's cool.
1: That's an example of a thing that just came out where it's like, okay, this sounds different than other stuff I've been listening to.
6: He has his own sound. Definitely in this scene. And and going back to the originality thing, it's kind of a misleading and oxymoron thing to say, hey, come up with an original sound in this 80s derivative scene. So it's confusing, but I do agree with you. We're all kind of having fun here doing this, but some other people take it a bit more seriously than others that maybe are just coming home from work and... Having a screw around on the computer, which is totally cool, right? I know for myself, I do try and come up with my own sound in a somewhat derivative scene of a time long ago.
1: Yeah, that's the catch twenty two, right? Because if you are an artist whose purpose is to make legitimate sounding like this music was actually made in the eighties, then obviously it's going to have a certain sound. Like it's going to be obvious, like who who the people you're basing your sound on. You know, like there's the people who are very much like, I like the music of John Carpenter, so I'm going to make stuff that's like in that style. Yeah. And that's that's one way to go about it. It's tricky to sort of find the language. When we say like trying to find an original sound, it's more like try to distinguish yourself from the other exactly. artists who are out there. And vocals is the easiest way because there's not going to be any two vocals that sound like exactly the same. I mean, they might sound similar if, if eventually if it got to the point where there's a lot of artists actually having vocals in their tracks, which there isn't, but that's one easy way to just completely separate yourself. Even if the music behind it was identical to some other, some other artists, like the second you have vocals, it's, it's bam, that's you.
6: Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, it's the easiest way. I grant you that. Is it the best way? I don't know. Cause it's like you said, you could still put four different instrumental tracks that sound exactly the same production-wise and put four different singers on them, which some artists do have multiple singers on a record, and you can still tell it's their sound because you're not... I'm not buying a a Tommy record or Tommy 86 now, my bad, (laughs) for Sally Shapiro's voice. It's a bonus, but I'm buying it because I know Tommy's sound and he has his own thing. But that being said, I do agree with you that vocals have, you know, a distinct element to them that you can apply.
1: There's going to be an example to the contrary of, like, everything that's said, because obviously... There's an advantage to, say, artists who have been in the scene for a while who maybe have a sound that's like, this sounds like an 80s artist you know. Yeah. But they were like the first ones in the new synthwave scene to do it. And so it's like,
6: it's kind of theirs. Like uh, who were the you know, first kind of guys, uh, Miami Knights and all those guys. Like in this scene, they're the original guys in that scene. But it's, it's going back to what we're saying. It's deriving from something. 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. but they still have current moments in there. They actually don't sound like it was recorded 30 years ago.
1: Right. That stuff is cool, too, Like, because I like all the, the retro kind of synth-sounding stuff, and I just heard um, an album by a dude called, uh, was it Dallas
6: Campbell? Oh, that's my boy, Dallas. Yeah, he's cool.
1: And the last one he just put out- Origin Seeds? It is called Origin Seeds, yes. What I like about this one is- It sort of has like that late 70s, really early 80s kind of sound to it. Yes, yes. And I commented briefly when he like posted up the album, but I'm like, this thing sounds like it was some weird record that would have been in a stack of records. Like say like my parents had like all these like disco records, like ABBA and stuff. And this would have been some record that was like tucked in between there. Like, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then throw it on. Like it really has that sort of legitimate retro sound. And what I like is... That it, it does have that sort of late 70s kind of, I mean, I hope he agrees with this because <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. Like there is that, that, that weird um, psychedelic like uh, disco sort of influence to, to some of the stuff.
6: Yeah. I mean, I talked to him about that the other day. We were talking about uh, each other's sounds and songs that we had. And I told him that, that uh, he really did have his own kind of sound in this scene and it it was very late 70s I told him and I think that he would agree to that so yeah he's pulling his own sound out of this even though it's it could be from the late 70s early 80s right
1: and the point is that when I listen to that one now I'm like okay I don't hear other people doing stuff like this like I think the closest thing was uh when I when I first started getting into synthwave music uh like Starforce had some tracks that reminded me of that similar kind of vibe that like the late 70s, early 80s, weird psychedelic space kind of.
6: Yeah, definitely space, spacey vibes.
1: When we talk about like the, the homogenized sound of synthwave, it is what you're talking about with sort of like the arpeggio. When I hear the most stuff that sounds the same, it's like that kind of stuff.
6: It's that kind of stuff. I know what you mean. That What is that kind of stuff? But you and I know what we're saying yeah. when we say that <laughs> kind of stuff. And anyone listening right now knows what we're saying. It's the, which I'm pretty sure we all did that. I did that when I first started doing this. How? What's the first thing you're going to do? Um, Okay, I know how to use a computer. Oh, this thing has an arpeggiator. And, you know, just put a four on the floor beat and a pulsing bass line and you can get something going. So everyone starts that way. At least for myself and some other people I know, then you tend to say okay I got past this barrier now how do I come up with my own voice in this scene right that's where you're gonna separate yourself because and this might come across like an asshole thing to say I don't mean it that way but there Fuck are a, just a, a, extremely amount of new guys coming up like every day it seems like now
1: I think the bottom line is and I think we're both coming from the same place it's it's, it's You give people leeway, especially like new artists, if they're serious about it, that you know, their first release, I mean, this is the same way with like any sort of art, whether it be, you know, like, you know, movies or comedy or whatever, you know, the first album or the first thing that people start doing when they try and start exploring themselves artistically is to sort of, they take little bits and pieces from the artists they like. Yeah. Maybe they're doing it subconsciously, but it's like, oh, you watch some old comedy sets of some famous comedians and you can see how they change over time like maybe they're they're doing their their sort of impression of the people that influence them yeah and then they slowly find their own voice so it's not like
6: you're not intentionally ripping someone off you're just that's the best way to learn
1: the the whole point of this whole like answering this question having you here it's like it's not to say don't try and experiment or or that the first thing you you release and throw up on unsy- things since that synth synthetics, synthetics. <laughs> is uh, is expected to be some fucking masterpiece. Of course, people yeah, go into
6: it. You could get lucky your first time, but it's probably not going to happen.
1: You know, if people are serious about it and serious about making cool music, that it's it's not about, you know, whether or not your first couple releases, like the quality's weird or the mixing's off or you're, you're slowly learning how to do it. It's that you should also have in the back of your head, well, if I just put out a track that sounds exactly like another artist in the scene, maybe I should rework it somehow you know like bring something
6: to it i mean there's so many reasons why why someone would, would make music sometimes it's for themselves their friends whatever i mean the main reason is is to kind of give something back to to everyone and make a moment for someone and an original moment is better than a non-original one because you've already had that one before if yeah. you know <laughs> if, if things are popping up all the time that are similar and i think that's just what people need to strive to do yes it's a fun scene so you can't really take it too seriously but and i know you know we're not going to be on mtv and all this stuff with our music but if there's potential to reach more people with what we're doing That's always a plus. Mm -hmm. And I think some people don't think that way. They're just kind of having fun in our little small scene and and that's okay too. But, I mean, if if you're not getting the results that you want, then maybe think about why you're doing it and if you need to be doing it or if you just want to listen to it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing too because I think anyone asking this question or a lot of people who post their stuff on synthetics, or, you know, who are new artists in the scene, if – I mean, they want attention, like they want people to listen to their music, I'm assuming. Yeah. And so those are the people who I'm sort of directing this response to. I'm not not the dude who's like going to make a – who doesn't care. Yeah. You know, this is for the person who cares, who says, well, why is it that when I post a thing, nobody comments or whatever? I'm like, well, maybe try and make it something worth commenting on.
6: And I mean, this is like a brutal – Thing to say but, but some people y'all. aren't some people aren't good at making music mm. i'm not good at a lot of things so there's plenty of things i'm shit at doing and i just think that there is a cool thing about this scene where someone can like well i want to do it maybe i can't do it but i want to do it and it's and it's fine but th- that's why you're not getting results because maybe you're really good at math and not good at this <laughs> and i suck at math so we need you we need your math skills bro
1: yeah man math wave Math
6: wave, baby. (laughs) Andy's saving lives. Well, do we need to like solidify what we're saying here or? No, I think this was good. I feel like what we'd said was really good and important, but did we help Andrew house house (laughs) in?
1: Well, we helped him that way at least. Now he knows what to call himself.
6: If I could wrap it up into a sentence, it'd be like, hey, do we need more people making music? Yeah. In this scene, of course. Are you welcome? Yes. Do we need five more Mitch murders? No, we've already got one of those. So do your own thing and rock and roll, baby. That's that. (laughs) Thanks, James Bowen. We need five more laser hawks, though. Ten more laser hawks. Bring those on. It's fine.
1: Yeah, maybe one of them will do my show.
6: Hey, but I'm here. I'm here. Just know that I'm here doing your show.
1: I'm very thankful for it. You know, I'm a big Droid Bishop fan. Anyways, man, thanks for helping me out with the, the final question of the day. Maybe you can help me segue into the actual meat of this episode. Okay. Which is uh, Adam McNabb from Look Cassette and I talking about our favorite Super Nintendo games. This is sort of like a special episode.
6: If I save my thing, will you put the Capcom thing in there?
1: I think I already have it in the episode somewhere.
6: Okay. Or the Konami.
1: What's your favorite Super Nintendo game? You got one?
6: You got to put Street Fighter 2 in there. For me, I don't know. I loved that game. I loved Ryu. He was my guy. And I, I loved, uh, I gotta say, I just loved Super Mario World, man. What's not to love about that?
1: No, it's a great game.
6: That feather, you know? Was it the <laughs> feather? Yes. And you could fly?
1: Yeah, yeah, man. That's what gave you the cape.
6: And remember the, the like underground world? Like, doo doo, doo doo, doo doo, doo do in that cave world? It's fucking awesome. I mean, I don't know what other games were there back then. Oh,
1: well, there's quite a few. I don't, I don't, I'm being coy because I don't want to spoil the content of this episode.
6: No, for sure.
1: To be fair, we don't really. It's more of an excuse to just have a stupid conversation. I don't know how much Super Nintendo talk there
6: actually was, but. Well, I'm pretty sure that's why you started your show in general. <laughs> Andy, so <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. That cough, man. That bronchitis cough. You got to stop smoking and drinking whiskey, bro. Sleeping in all day. Hey, man, I'm not Droid Bishop. (laughs) No, man. See, we don't need two Droid Bishops, bro. Okay? Just original people out there. Yeah, I'm going to be Floyd Bishop. Floyd Bishop, man. I like that. Mm. (laughs) Well, it was good talking to you, man. You too, Andy. Last. (laughs) You have a great one, buddy. Ciao. Thanks for the question, Andrew Hyman. Hyman? What's his name? I don't know. (laughs) Later, Andy. Bye. (laughs) What's up, McNab? You're next, bud.
1: Because a game I really liked was a game called, um... Oh, fuck me. Uh,
7: uh... <laughs> I, I don't know that one. It must be on the... Uh... <laughs> it must be a one that was released in Canada, I guess. <laughs> yes. No, oh, what the hell Games was it? Games Master did a review of it. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Got a, a massive three for me. I thought it was awful. But they... Uh, at least I tried. I'll give them a ten for effort. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. What? What do you need me out with? Do you need me to at your bottom? Oh, hang on, hang on a minute, Andy. We've got to we've got to sort out of this live stream for the missus because she's wanting to watch some stuff on IT. Why don't why don't you come down here and watch it whilst I go upstairs then? I'm literally doing this podcast right now with Andy. <laughs> Say hello. Say hello. Say hello to Andy. Come on. What are you two? You can't be shy. Come on. Why don't you watch it down here and I'll go upstairs now? Oh now she's talking. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> do you want to say bye to Uncle Andy? <laughs> no, no. <good. laughs> right, I'm going to turn this off first. I'm going to turn my PS4 off. Hang on, hang on. Right, now change your HDMI to TV and then there's your remote to change the buttons. Are you happy now? Yeah. Lovely. Oh, fuck <laughs> Right, fuck off then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, two, one. oh, one, two, one. Fucking do one. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry about this. Sorry about this. It's okay. Right, don't disturb me anymore now, or you'll get no dinner money.
1: I always answer the phone with a with a I do joke voices. Like I don't like talking to telemarketers, but I will say hi. Uh-huh. So I just naturally pick up the phone and go like, Hello? And they're like, <laughs> Oh, can we can we speak to, you know, whoever owns the house? I'm like, What? And then I'll pretend I'll be like, "Honey, the phone doesn't work. The microphone's <laughs> not working." And I'll see how Come long, <laughs> how long they'll stay I've, on the line.
7: I've done that a few times when I'm ringing up like my work and stuff. I pretend to be an old man. Mm-hmm. I can't even fucking do it. Oh, oh, hello. Can I speak to? Can I speak to Marjorie, please? And they're like, "Who? Right, Marjorie? <laughs> it's, it's Jeffrey. I'm wanted to call to you about a house that is on the market." And they're like, "Uh." uh well, well uh, there's no magic here and i go it's me you fucking bastard they <laughs> <laughs> go adam right fuck it let's start okay here we are i'm andy Sims, and i'm here with uh adam mcnab and we're going to talk to you about <laughs> cocks yeah we're going to be counting down our top five cocks hey mate have you seen that pro have you have you, you know the, Guys can break their dicks, right?
4: <laughs>
1: I love any Not sentence that. that starts with, you know guys can break their dicks, right?
7: <laughs> yeah. So it's basically a program about, you know, men who, it's, it's okay to break your dick. You know, that's what they're trying to say. But they're saying, get it checked at a doctor's, because if you don't, it'll heal It'll heal bad and you'll end up with a crooked dick. But what do you mean? Like how do how do they break them? Well, when you're having sex, you know, when a boy meets a girl and the, and they and they fall in love and the the birds and the bees and all that bag of crap, mm-hmm. right? And you know you you're in the moment and you go full on, full pelt, bing bang bong, skin on skin. And uh you know that bit where guys, you are not this like, come on. Like, when you go at it full pelt and you go in but it hits the side of the entrance And it kind of like jolts, and you're like, "Ooh, that hurts a little bit." But I'm going to carry on in a minute because it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But sometimes men go at it so hard that they they rupture their um, Ah! capillaries. Yeah, yeah. Nope. I
1: am uh, I'm abandoning this line of questioning. We are going to uh, just
7: okay, let's skip that now. Move along.
1: (laughs) The thought, honestly, the thought, the thought
7: of fucking broken dinks is just like it's it's horrible. Yeah, I think I was eating a pot pie at the time, and uh, it it literally makes you cringe just thinking about it, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. So the whole show was about broken dinks? Broken, what did you say? Broken dinks.
1: Dinks? (laughs) No, dicks. Broken dicks. Dinks, man. Dink. (laughs) Dink is an awesome word. (laughs) I'm not not letting you take that away
4: from me.
7: (laughs) Dinks. Um, Yeah, no, yeah, it's basically just saying that, just told you about this documentary about guys who broke their dicks, and uh, and this one guy did it so hard that he broke both of them, and and his penis <laughs> broke up. Both, and he, both both of his capillary <laughs> thingies, these like little <laughs> <that we> broke. <laughs> he broke his dickhead mm. and his dick. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Well, that's unfortunate for him. If you could tell by the stuff that uh, preceded this, this is a very special episode. I'm talking to Adam McNabb. Hello. Lead singer of Look a and we're going to talk about our favorite uh, Super Nintendo games. That's right. Well, my main mandate here, it's not like a top five or whatever. It's just a list of games, and i I'm, I'm going to say even games that just mean a lot. Because there's some games that I remember I didn't play very much, but for some reason they they had like an effect on me, you know. And then there's others that are special because you just played the shit out of them.
7: Pretty much, yeah. All the ones that you play, but you can never get past a certain level. Mm-hmm. Just don't want to touch it ever again.
1: Tell me one of your uh, all time favorite Super Nintendo games and why.
7: It's got to be Donkey Kong Country, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, I did li- I did like the trilogy, but Donkey Kong Country Three, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble was was the one for me. Cause it just felt like, and I, I know it wasn't, but it just felt like an open world, and you know you had all these places to go, and like just it was just it was just great, cause it felt like you could discover new, you know, new places, and, and all these little little games and puzzles you can play. Mm-hmm. I think that one, cause it was beautiful. I mean, the graphics were stunning from the first game they made, but I think as it went on, the graphics got better and better, and so they were a really, really like satisfying game, really cool.
1: I think I preferred the first uh, when Donkey Kong first came out I remember just how awesome those graphics were Yeah, I remember seeing a render of Donkey Kong in like a serious magazine like I forget who had it like a parent or, or somebody had this magazine it was like a time and it was like you know looking at awesome graphics and there was like this, this, this picture of Donkey Kong and I remember going wow like this game just looks so great and one thing that always bugs me about sequels is when they don't let you play as, like, the hero. And what annoyed me about the Donkey Kong sequels, even though, like, I appreciated that they, you know, they were they were still, like, good games, uh-huh. was that you didn't play as Donkey Kong, right? Because in part two, doesn't he go missing and you're playing as Diddy and Dixie? And the other thing was I really liked, like, in the, fir- like, the first Donkey Kong, and this is something that I found really weird about Nintendo franchises lately, where they've sort of... Like the music used to be better. Like in Donkey Kong, the first Donkey Kong game, besides the goofy like jungle rap stuff and like the the nonsense that's in there, um, there's a lot of really great music tracks. Uh-huh. And I think Part Two had some as well. But I started to feel like the music kind of got kind of slightly worse with each one. Like the first game, like the the water music, like the underwater music, I really liked.
7: Yeah, that was that was yeah that was stunning, wasn't it?
1: Snow level had a, had a cool track as well and then the second game Donkey Kong Country 2 had um the Bramble Blast level i remember there's just this really cool song in the brambles where you're like uh, shooting around the the thorns or whatever yeah yeah so i don't know like what was it like just cuz the third one was just bigger like was that what you
7: liked yeah i'd, I'd say so cuz it just felt like it, it was more of an open world you know like like even in the hovercraft you, ever, you had a goddamn hovercraft for god's sake you could go like <laughs> and like and discover new areas and like you know bust open a cave and then do like a, a certain like you have to do a certain what's it pattern with your, with your keypad not with the keypad with your joypad and stuff you know what I mean and mm-hmm. and you'd get loads of little coins that you, could, you just that a little thing I thought, I thought it was great graphically I thought it was I thought it was better as well yeah and uh, Kiddie Kong that's it he's a little bit of a deranged cousin of Dixie Kong um, it was a bit of a pleb but I liked him because I could relate to him <laughs>
1: there's just something about the originals. Yeah. Even though a sequel could come out and technically have better graphics and double everything that was in the first one, sometimes there is just something so special about, like, that first game. For me, that's the case for me with Donkey Kong. Yeah. I just have more of an emotional attachment with the first game than i do its sequels but i don't i don't deny that the sequels were also good games
7: thing is though with the first two my friends had them. i didn't really have them yeah i used to go around to theirs and play it right and i thought you know the third one's coming out it looks really good i'm gonna get that and yeah i loved it so i didn't really play much of the first it was mainly when i went around to my mate's house i played them yeah but i do i do play them on the emulators now like with my ps3 controller man which is class you can link it up by bluetooth well
1: that's cool i've never tried i i just have a usb yeah you can link it up did you own many super nintendo games the mortal Kombat's,
7: right mm. i had mortal kombat one two three that was ultimate one two
1: that was the one i didn't own i'm a huge mortal kombat fan yeah and i don't even think i was aware that ultimate even existed on the super nintendo i remember i think i eventually played it on an emulator and it was really bad
7: yeah i was playing it and i was like "Mm." the second one for me was the best oh of course
1: mortal kombat 2 is probably like my single favorite sequel in the history of games Mm. because i really liked the first one and i remember the first one was like one of the first games i played on a super nintendo so i just remember going like
7: wow like it was class yeah it was class one i thought the characters were like proper realistic at the time.
1: What always annoyed me was, you know, there's always that war between, you know, the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Uh Genesis over here, Mega Drive over there. What pissed me off was, to me, a lot of games that were cross-platform that were on the Super Nintendo and on the Sega were like clearly better on the Super Nintendo and it annoyed me when people would argue about it. Like, the Sega had some fun exclusives and I enjoyed the Sega Genesis a lot, but Mortal Kombat is one of those ones where everybody always says that Mortal Kombat 1 was better on the Sega because it had the blood code, but if you put it side-by-side side with the Super Nintendo one, the Sega one looks like shit. It, it had muted colors. It would almost look like it was black and white. There was no sounds. Like, it never, it never said who won the match. It, it wouldn't say Sub-Zero wins or Kano wins. The only sound bite they had in the game was a really muffled scream that was like, Arr! and Scorpion said, get over here. And yeah. it had a blood code. So everyone said the Sega one was better just because it had the blood. But it, it like ran in slow motion. It looked worse than the Super Nintendo. Like the Super Nintendo one was just a better looking game, but it didn't have the blood. So it was kind of like, is this really Mortal Kombat? Part two was so much better on the Super Nintendo. Like the Sega one, the backgrounds were like fucking missing things. The colors were shit. It still didn't have any sound. Who's your character? Scorpion. Of course. Standard, is it? Yeah, he's awesome. I love. I love. Mortal Kombat Two is one of my favorite games of all time. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. There's. T- to me, it's the perfect sequel. It just. It gave you more of everything.
7: It looked better. It sounded better. Baraka scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I could never get on with Johnny Cage. I really did not like that guy at all. He just reminded me of a uh, Robert Downey Jr. with spandex. <laughs> Scorpio is like a standard default character, innit? not Yeah. Scorpion, fuck it. I can't, I'm so knackered, mate. I can't even fucking think straight Scorpion. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's something um, that's awesome about just really simple and awesome character design. You know, it's like when you watch Lord of the Rings and it's like, yeah, there's these dudes in black cloaks riding horses. Like, that's cool. It's so simple, but it's like, it looks awesome. And Scorpion, I just love. He's just yeah. a fucking flaming skullhead ninja. Like, it's so simple, but it's wicked.
7: You obviously, you've seen the film. Yes. I used to love the intro credits, like the actual music, man. It was absolutely quality.
1: I still enjoy the first movie and I've seen I've seen the second one way more than anybody <laughs> should. Because I, I it's so terrible, but to me that movie is hilarious. Yeah. And on Blu-ray <laughs> I own it on Blu-ray, I'll say that. <laughs> Mortal dude, Kombat dude. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation on Blu ray is amazing because the special effects are so bad that there's moments where you can actually see the seams. This is sort of like a nerdy thing, but like, you know, if you're doing special effects, there's like layers and there's a scene where like the clouds are warping around and you can actually see where the cloud just kind of stops and there's like a harsh line because the layer <laughs> was just not set right. And there's these scenes like this, that's the first movie where I was in the theater and I caught a mistake. You never do that. Like, actually, like, catch mistakes in the movie theater. Like, what? Uh. He kicks Baraka into the fire, and then they reuse the footage of Rain the ninja falling in the fire. He falls so slowly (laughs) that it's, like, clearly not the guy. Like, he kicks Baraka into the fire, and they just show you footage of another scene like it's a fucking Monty Python film. Did (laughs) they just reuse stock footage from a previous part in the movie? Like, it was mind-blowingly shitty. (laughs) Who's your favorite character in Mortal Kombat? Mate,
7: Scorpion. But I tell you what, I really... <laughs> what are you with like, me for? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, that's pretty standard, isn't it? Who, who's yours, Scorpion? It's, fucking, it's, it's default <laughs> character, mate. It's default character. But um, I tell you what, I did like the look of Kung Lao. Kung Lao was so fucking cool with his with his hat, man.
1: Part two really expanded just the the universe in such a cool way, and they introduced all these cool characters. Like Kung Lao was cool you know, Baraka and like the ninjas and getting to play as Reptile when he was the hidden character in the first one. Like there's so much cool shit going on. And then after that, even though I would buy every Mortal Kombat game that came out, there was just this part of me that you know when you're young and you kind of trick yourself into liking things, but you don't know that you're doing it? And it's only <laughs> it's only like as an adult, I look back and go, oh, I know what that feeling was in my heart. That, that was fucking disappointment, but I wasn't allowing my, – my brain wasn't like allowing myself to understand what was happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why I didn't enjoy part three as much as part two because I'm sitting there No, like, exactly. Same. But also the character design in Mortal Kombat started to go – In a really stupid direction. And with part three, it was like when they got rid of Scorpion, they made Sub Zero not have a mask. And have that like stripe on his face. Yeah, like they just made these. They took out like all these cool characters and replaced them with like Striker, the guy with the backwards hat, and just these weird decisions.
7: what's the other one with the guy with the um, the net, the green net? Was it not Kena? Uh, Cy- Cy- Cyrax, Cyrax, Cyrax.
1: Yeah, I like them. Like I like what I like about Mortal Kombat over all the other fighting games. Even though I know that the other fighting games are technically better games, I like the silliness of Mortal Kombat. I like that it's robots and ninjas. It, there's just something about it that's such a ridiculous universe and the other games i just never got into the characters like you know people be like why don't you play like tekken like it's really good and i'm like i the only cool guy is this one dude who has kind of like a lion head and the rest of them are all just stupid looking japan anime guys with their shirts off like there's nothing cool about any of the characters mortal kombat had cool characters
7: but then like i said I, i like same with johnny cage Jax was a pain in the fucking ass what was he doing
1: But Jax, man, he was one of those characters I love to use because he had a combo that was ridiculous. Like you could if you drop kicked it just the right way, you could also backbreaker the guy from your drop kick and it would take away like half of their health bar. So I loved being Jax because he just had and then if you grab the guy and did that throw but if you kept mashing like low punch you would just keep slamming the guy back and forth and you could just like totally like wipe out a dude's health bar like he was really good that way and he pulled their arms off that was a cool one
7: oh that was a, yes i remember that. that was a good fatality
1: to this very day like the computer in mortal Kombat has always been the fucking cheapest ai i think of any fighting game i've ever played like how they just always know exactly what you're going to do <laughs> It's like in Mortal Kombat, I always felt like you only win when the computer lets you win. <laughs> yeah. I would just throw my spear, they'd block it, they'd duck it. Katana could throw unlimited amounts of fans at me. But if I tried to throw a fan with Katana, there was like a space before I could do one again. But the <laughs> but the computer could just like whip endless amounts of them. Like the computer just fucking cheated and Shao Kahn... Was a fucking cheap, mate. Boss, fuck
7: that guy. Was cheap, <laughs> mate. Oh my god, I used should scream at the TV with that fucker because he's cheap, so like just many so times. fucking cheap.
4: <laughs> All too easy.
7: The thing is, though, the Goro guy used to really, really wind me up. In the, even in the first one, when I got to him, I thought, "Now I'm dead. There's no point playing it any further. Now there's <laughs> no point. I could never get past him."
1: The thing with Goro was, which I don't think Kentaro had necessarily, but Goro had, um. A trick. You jump back and then you jump forward and drop kick him. Yeah. And then you just jump back and jump forward and drop kick him. Like you could get Goro in a pattern. But
7: Kintaro was just cheap as shit. You'd the like. The thing is though, when you did beat them, it was like winning the lottery. You'd shake and then you'd have to compose yourself <laughs> for bloody shredder wannabe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, I can't do it anymore. I- me defeating Goro would be like, right, I've completed the game. I don't need to do any more. <laughs> but when you do when you when you when you do beat him.
1: I, I want out of the tournament. <laughs>
7: yeah, that's like, that's it now. There's one more. No, no, fuck it. I've beaten four hands over here. That's it. I'm done. I, I want my money. <laughs> no money here, mate. It's just it's just a pride. No, fuck that, mate. I've come here for money. Raiden told me there were money. So I, 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 I'm I am here. I'm not doing it for fuck all. <laughs> I tell you what though, I was humming and an about these fight, This is my favourite fighting one. You know what, it was either between Mortal Kombat 2 and Killer Instinct. Now, Killer Instinct, for me, was the bomb, right? Because when I first got it, carrying a black cartridge, I thought I was special because I thought I was the only one. Until I saw my mate have the same thing, and I like, oh, fuck. But I, thought, I still thought it was brilliant. Just kicking them off the actual skyscrapers, And then watching them just fly and fall down to the death was class.
1: Because I enjoyed Mortal Kombat so much, I thought that meant that I liked fighting games. And I thought that for the next like 15 years of my life until I realized that I actually just like Mortal Kombat. Mm. Even though I've played all these fighting games, you know, like I play like Soul Calibur or Killer Instinct. Like there's all these games I got into games on the N64 and stuff, because I thought I liked fighting games. But really, it was like, I kind of just liked Mortal Kombat. Like, there's just something about that game. Killer Instinct came the closest. Like, I liked the graphics. I remember, like, the graphics were pretty awesome, and I loved the music.
7: Did you get the um, the soundtrack? It came with the CD, the soundtrack with it, with with my game. I didn't
1: personally, but I had a friend who had it. So good. And the Glacius man that fucking... It was a really cool (laughs) It was a cool
4: song
7: Mate, I, I used to be the best at that. I used to get flawless, all that crap, and I oh I used to combos left, right, and centre. My mates didn't have a, no chance. That was the only game I felt I was good at, and I could probably beat someone, you know, in a competition with. I could, I could probably go ahead with that and say, right, guys, I'll have you at this. Mm. It's just, it's just a brilliant, brilliant game. All the combos you could do, ah, oh, ah, oh. <laughs> Cinder. Yes, oh,
1: Cinder was yeah. my. I liked Cinder. The reason why I asked you if you owned many games because I didn't. See like I didn't have much money when I was a kid. No, we didn't either, no. So I rented a lot. Like I remember I rented Mortal Kombat 2 every weekend, but I just never bought it cuz to to rent a game was like 250 or something and I'd have the game for like 2 days or whatever. Yeah. So really some of my favorite games were just because they were the ones that I owned. I, I picked up the Super Nintendo really late. So by the time I bought it, it came with Super Mario World and Super Mario All-Stars. Me too, mate. Me too, yeah. And two controllers. And so those are still two of my favorite games uh, I've ever played, like All-Stars and and Mario World.
7: Yeah. Without a doubt, my brother, well, my half-brother, he used to have a Super Nintendo. And when we used to go to his, I'd never say hi to them at all. I'd just go, <laughs> can, I play on your, can I play on your stairs?" And he'd be like... <sighs> it's upstairs, and I just me and my brother just go upstairs and we would just play. We had what did we have? James Pond, he had James Pond, and <laughs> um, what else did he have? Uh, Return of the Jedi, I think it was Star Wars, and I loved that, loved that game.
1: Yeah, the Super Star Wars games, I forgot about those. That's what I love about old games. I love when they base something on a movie and have to stretch things out in the most ridiculous ways to make it a level. Like Super Star Wars was amazing for that. Here's like, here's the scene like in the movie where you fucking fight the snow monster in the cave. And then like in the video game version, you're like running across like this fucking wasteland, like fighting all these monsters. Like it just, it <laughs> just would make it so ridiculous. And all this shit that never happened in the
7: movie. Like, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to throw a wild card in here. Yeah. <laughs> really? Stunt racer FX. Remember that? Oh, I don't think I ever played that. Oh, mate. Oh, heaven. It <laughs> look brilliant and the graphics when you see it you think oh my god this is absolutely fantastic (laughs) fucking hell never mind fire and the wheel check out this and it was like just 3D just everything just looks like quality like everything like they thought it was like next gen Not for me anyway Stunt Racer FX, mate. That was brilliant.
1: The FX chip, man. I'm trying to think what game that I played a lot that actually involved the FX chip, because I remember they made such a big deal of it, and it was like those those quasi-3D levels. Oh, Mario Kart. Yeah, Star Fox and Mario Kart. Those are the two big ones that... Compliance. <laughs> Gabba. That's all I remember was that.
7: <laughs> that was so good. That was a crazy game, that one. Star Fox. But I think, what was it called? I think it was called Star Fox over here as well, because it was then it changed to Lilac Wars in uh, the N64 version. Did you play much uh, Mario Kart? Mate, see that playing Mario Kart? I knew all the bloody nook and crannies <laughs> that bloody thing. Especially on uh, Ghost Town. Bloody hell, that was so hard. Mm-hmm. Was it Ghost Town? Ta- ghost Circuit? Ghost Town? Not Ghost Town. Was it Ghost Town? Ghost Circuit? There was a couple of Ghost Circuits, wasn't there? Ghost Circuit. Let's have a look. Ghost Circuit. I'm, I'm, I'm looking on here. Yes, of so- course there were, right? Because there were several Bowser Castle levels. Yeah. Uh, the Ghost level was the hardest, like trying to take that jump before. You know, before you, just I think it's after you start the level. So when you do the first lap, you can like skid and jump on that little ramp across, like missing the first
1: corner. And you needed the feather, right, to do the the leap?
7: Yes, yeah, yeah. I used to bloody love all that stuff. But I think the main thing was the battles for me. Really loved the battles. Mm -hmm. I think that was class. And I think the N64 one is still the best. Still the best Mario Kart by far. Yeah, no, that was a fun game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not too keen on the Wii ones now and all that crap. Because with the Wii now, you have to bloody have nunchucks to make it so you're not using the steering wheel. I'm like, what the fuck's that all about? That's the one
1: thing, man. Nintendo did a a, a funny thing because now, because I own a Wii U. And when you go back to playing Nintendo games, like just with a, with a regular controller, yeah. you immediately go like, yeah, this is what, I want to do like I don't want to wiggle my arms and <laughs> I went along with their nonsense at the start. I bought a Wii and I you know said the shit that they were saying like oh it doesn't matter that it's not HD and it's all about good games and blah blah blah. Now that on the Wii U that they have games that come out where you just use like a regular, you know, like a an Xbox style controller, you just remember like oh yeah, like why isn't I wish Nintendo would just make a system that isn't a fucking generation behind. Because a lot of the great games and the classic games, and we'll we'll talk about this again when we do like the N64 episode or whatever. But you know, the N64 was fucking cutting edge shit at the time. Mate, I still got arthritis from that. And the thing is, those games looked good i I mean zelda wasn't just an awesome game but it also looked better than like when i played ocarina of time and i saw that fucking sunset for the first time Mm -hmm. i was just like
7: holy fuck like this is amazing i never wanted that never wanted that game to end at all
1: it's still like that is probably my favorite i know it's a cliche answer because it's like every like a lot of people's favorite game of all time but i We'll talk about that one another time. But the point is that's when Nintendo was awesome is when they were also at the cutting edge of the technology as well. And lately it's been, oh, you know, they'll make a game that's really good. Like the Mario Galaxy series on the Wii was really good. But it was it was like a generation behind in graphics. And even though it looked great, yeah. you could play any shitty PlayStation 3 game that just looked better, even if it was a bad game. And that, that pissed me off because I want Nintendo. I like Nintendo a lot. Like, I love Nintendo games.
7: Well, the first party game is a class. Mm-hmm. It's just a shame, like you say. It's a shame because it had so much potential. And Wii U should have come out when the PS3 and the Xbox 360 came out. Not five years down the line, yeah. six <laughs> years down the line. You know what I mean? It's like the woke up halfway through that last generation going off. Well,
1: that company is making the weirdest, like the decisions they make as a company don't make any sense to me. Like, I have no money right now and there's literally some games they could announce where I would find money uh-huh. out of nowhere. To Like, if they announced right now, we are making an HD remake of Mario 64, that's an instant purchase. Mm. Even if I didn't have any money, that's like, well, I need to own that. I think that was one of the things I really enjoyed about Super Mario All-Stars, because that was pretty much like, that was the first... It, it wasn't HD remake, but I mean, it was the first kind of thing of that kind, you know, like bringing back the old 8-bit games and giving them like 16-bit. Looking graphics and the ability to save. Yeah. Cause I think that's, that's one of those things I always liked that, that didn't always exist in a lot of old games. It's just that ability to, um, save your progress so you don't have to play the whole thing in, in one time. Like, I think that's why I really enjoyed the Super Nintendo. Cause I was sort of like, it was the standard at that point. But I'll say that. Like, I know there was Nintendo games and Sega games and stuff where you could save your progress, but it just seemed like Super Nintendo that, it was more of the standard at that point to... Yeah, definitely. Sony as a company did so much stuff that I'm like, why isn't Nintendo doing this? Like last generation, Sony released HD remakes of like all the games they had control over to release, you know, like the Sly Cooper and the God of Wars and Yeah. The fucking Jack and Daxter and all this shit. But like the bottom line is, you know, you get this DV you get this DVD, it's got like three games on it, they've all been remastered in HD, and that's worth the price of you know, that's worth buying. Like, that's a cool thing to have. And Nintendo has this fucking library of like hundreds of games, and they release like one game a month on the virtual console. <laughs> And you can download all of the ROMs on the internet in like one minute and you'll just have their whole catalog. And meanwhile, like they fucking parse them out like one a month. It's mind blowing. They're
7: really tight. And like it so makes, makes me laugh because like, my mate goes, I've just got this game and I'm, I'm going to play it online. And I went to play it online and there's no fucker online. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody's got one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that way. So he sat in the fucking lobby waiting to play a game and he's still waiting it's been the year <laughs> you,
1: you go back to his house he's just a fucking skeleton covered in
7: cobwebs like holding a controller uh, it's gonna happen it's gonna happen we're gonna start this match soon i know it i can feel
1: it no it's a joke even now what has like ps4 hasn't it like within its first like three months like, there's more people who own PS4s now than, than own Wii U's.
7: Yeah, and I think it was like three and a half million in, in the first three months, four months, is it something? Yeah. And that was before the Japanese launched. And in the first, the first four days, it sold 350000 compared to PlayStation 3 in 2006. Right. They sold half of that, I think it was. Well, Sony did a stupid thing when they launched PS3. Like, Oh, yeah. It was, eight, it was like nearly two years too late, wasn't it?
1: And it was also way too much money. Like, that initial launch of PlayStation was insane. Like, when they wanted... Yeah. I think here it was, like, 699 or 599 Canadian, which is, like, a lot of money to ask for a fucking mm, console, yeah. you know?
7: And that's what everyone was a bit skeptical about when they when they were about to announce the price for the PS4, weren't they? Mm-hmm. But uh, are you finding your PS4, though?
1: I really like it. I, I think... I like Sony because it just seems like they learn. Yeah. You know what I mean? It seems like a company that goes, like, oh this didn't work last time, so let's do this now. Yeah. You know, they thought they could be cocky and release a system because everybody owned a PS2, and they realized that fucked them up. And now it just feels like the PS4 is, like, the answer to all of the things that, you know, if you had a problem with the PS3 launch, it was like, I feel like they listen to what gamers want.
7: They've still got things to build on as well, which is great, because you know it's going to, the console can grow. The only bummer is you can't plug an external hard drive in, but... Anyway, N64, not N64, it's nice, yeah. <laughs> Super Nintendo.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the other games that I used to have a lot of fun with, not necessarily great games, but uh, Mario Paint, I really liked.
7: I don't know if we ever got this over here.
1: You could make these little shitty, like one second animations. I was in grade six, so I mean, we were like 11 at the time. So we just always made these animations of just fucking penises and boobs and stuff. Standard. And it was so much fun. Like, it was the funniest. Just imagine being 11 and just being stupid kids, and then we just... I remember I had a birthday party, and we had Mario Paint. We just stayed up all night just doing these stupid naked lady animations. (laughs) Because you could only animate a small little square. Mm. So, like, if you animated, you could do, like, the jiggling boobs, but, like, that's all that would move (laughs) on the screen. (laughs) And then you'd make your own music. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> they were just so so <laughs> shitty, they were awesome, like it was just... <laughs> this, Jingle tits. Yeah, just these fucking, <laughs> these jingling boobs, and then this music that was just like, burr, 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 burr,
7: <laughs> car honking noises and stuff, like it was just so ridiculous. Oh dear. Did they have Paper Mario for the SNES, or was it the N64? I can't remember.
1: That's a weird franchise, because they had Mario RPG. RPG, on Mario the Super RPG, Nintendo, that was it. And then Paper That's Mario, it, Mario, Mario became... Mario RPG, like it was sort of like the Paper Mario games is where they did the RPG stuff.
7: Yeah, Mario RPG, that's it, because it never came out, I don't think, over in England. What? No, I don't think it ever came out here. Why? I think it was all American or... Japanese or something, I think. I read it in like a games magazine at the time. It just said "Oh, it's, it's never coming out here. It's just not going to be released over here. Yeah, it was just North American release. And then it was released in, in Japan and then in North America 1996. See,
1: that was the nice thing about not having the internet a long time ago is that you just didn't know. You know what I mean? Like you just didn't know a game was coming and then it would just get announced. Like you never really knew that whole thing. Like it was actually made in, in Japan like yeah. two years earlier and they've just translated
7: it. Oh like, like the, you couldn't wait for the next magazine to come out next month. You know Know what I mean like the the tease something at the end saying next next month's uh, magazine we're gonna have this and that you know. What do you want? Oh fucking hell, she's back again, look. <laughs> You're gonna say hi to Uncle Andy? <laughs> she still doesn't want to say, she's stubborn. She hasn't she didn't have a present today, she didn't have a, a cream egg, so she's uh, she's in the mood. <laughs> fucking cream egg. Yeah, she's sending me downstairs, right? Give us a kiss. Oh shit.
4: Right. <laughs>
1: before when i was talking about act razor act razor was the one game that i I never played on super nintendo and i played it on an emulator years later it was such a good game that i was compelled to beat it like a lot of times i would play an emulator and kind of go like yeah this is whatever and then i'd stop playing the game so it was just a testament to how good that game was that I played through the whole thing, I was like, "This game's really awesome." Because you, it was a side-scrolling action game. You're sort of a god or something. I don't quite remember the story, but you know, you, you side-scroll, you're running around shooting things, and then after the side-scrolling levels, it would then cut to a Sim City type game. You do the Sim City thing where you like watch over a town and you sort of build it up, and the idea is you're the sort of god that's like kind of shaping the world, you know, like this little village. And then as the town kind of gets better, then it cuts back to like a side-scrolling action thing again. Right. So the cool part about the game was it was just this balance between these two types of games. Like there was this sort of like sim aspect to it. And then there's this action aspect to it. And it was a really cool game. Like it was just cool. Like it was interesting. I've not ever played a game like that again. They made a sequel and it was a disappointing sequel because it was just an action game. Like they took out all of the the simulation stuff. Which was the part that was interesting to me. Like I really enjoy like Sim City, but I kinda liked I liked it on the Super Nintendo. I, I kinda like it when it's dumbed down a bit, when they take away some of the detail and so it feels more kinda like a game. Like you don't have to because I, I enjoy SimCity games but sometimes i find the newer ones you have to balance a little bit too much stuff
7: yeah i mean it got a bit out of hand for me i used to get so stressed out with that shit oh more about theme park and theme hospital theme hospital i've never <laughs> what is oh that's for the pc sorry yeah no theme park sorry theme park i'm, I'm jumping ahead i'm jumping ahead here <laughs>
1: Did you ever play a game? This was on Super Nintendo. I think it was on computer as well. This was one of those games that had an effect on me even though I never even made it past the first level. It was called Flashback. Yeah, it's the same people who made another world, right? Is it? It had really cool animation. It had a great um start music. Like when you when you're sitting at the start screen. Yeah. I remember listening to that music and going, This this song is so cool. And it's so simple now. I listened to it recently and it's literally just like dun dun <laughs> it had a lot of neat looking animation kind of like rotoscoped animation yeah um for for super nintendo it was like it was really impressive but i i never even made it past the first level
7: no mate, i just left it to my friends to do it that's why that's the one it's, it, it's, i don't think it's the same people who made it but it's just um it's like another another world what is another world it's the same same sort of layout like flashback like same sort of like cartoony sort of shooter thing it's just basically he's got to escape from this planet and whatnot, and you know, it gets help along the way. The music in that's actually pretty cool as well. Did we hit on all the ones that were on your list? No, nah, mate, no, nah, we haven't. Because we love Super Mario World. We love Super Mario All-Stars, yeah. Mm. But we didn't say Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Right. Because that was coming up to like the end of the generation, you know. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got smooth throat. <laughs> It sounds like you're crying about it. I That I, 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 I was coming up to the, like, the end of the, of the cycle, really, and it just... I think it was, wasn't it? It must have been. Mm, yes. I, yeah, yeah, I'm going crazy, man. Listen, I'm tired, right? Leave me alone, Andy. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was one of the games that like stayed and I, like in my, in my mind I, I, long after I finished it and stuff. I, and I, it was just fucking brilliant. The color, the graphics, just the gameplay of it, and just trying to get 100% on every level. Class. Absolutely class.
1: The weird thing is, I know if people listen to this, they're probably going to be mad because I don't think Link to the Past was on either of our lists. Who gives a fuck? That's a lot of people's favorite, like, that's a that's a big one. See, for me, Ocarina of Time was my first Zelda game.
7: Yeah. Yeah, properly, yeah. Because, I, like I said, before I bought one, I used to watch my mate, he'd be playing the game, I'd... And I go, mate, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. What you want me to do? And he'd like, like okay, let me do it for you. Oh, like, you know, he'd be doing, I'd be like halfway through the game, like 50% away through the game. And he say, do you never go on I'd be like, yeah, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, like th- those are <laughs> games you can't join. It was good, but I was more about, everyone's got their preferences though, aren't they? So what did you think to um Street Fighter? Were you ever a Street Fighter boy?
1: The thing with Street Fighter was I always appreciated... That it was, like, the better fighting game than Mortal Kombat, like, technically. Mm. Even though I own the HD remake and stuff, I just, I liked sometimes buying those sorts of things just for historical value. Like, my son, one of these days, should play Street Fighter just to play it. And I never got into it, but it was one of the first... The first time I ever saw a Super Nintendo, my brother had a buddy. I have an older brother, and so, like, you know, he, he had he had one of those buddies where when you're a kid, this is, like, the dream, you know, like, he had a basement with a fucking TV and a Super Nintendo, and, like, you know, when you're a kid, that's amazing, like,
0: yeah, this guy,
1: he, he's got his own fucking rec room where he just has, like, a TV and a Super Nintendo and a fucking beanbag, and I, as a kid, that was, like, the fucking dream, like, you've got a fucking
7: room. Yeah, you felt where... like shit, didn't you?
1: Well, yeah, because I, I mean, we had the TV room, but it was like, it was the one TV, right? So if like someone else wanted to do some shit, it was game over time.
7: And your your bed was probably the dog's basket. Yeah. <laughs> Just me? Just me. That's fine.
1: Because <laughs> it wasn't until towards the end of public school that I, I finally like got like a monitor in my room that I could hook the Super Nintendo to. And it was like a little like 14 hmm. inch monitor or something. But it was still good enough. I could play Super Nintendo. I got a VCR at one point and that was exciting. Have we actually mentioned Bomberman? Bomberman I played a lot on the Turbo Graphics, But I don't think I ever played the Super Nintendo one.
7: I think I only played Bomberman on the NES. I don't think I ever played. <laughs> it was so good. It was. I think it must have
1: done. Um, what else? Oh, Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim, I remember... It was visually very impressive, but it, w- it was shitty to play. And I remember I was think I was young enough so that I found it funny. But it was a lot of, like, kind of toilet humor and stuff, right? Like, it was...
7: I mean, it was frustrating, the controls, when you, like, tried... To, it was so quick, when you had to, like, fly down. like Like, you have to go down and, like, use your fucking head to the propeller to fly down it'd go down so quickly but you wouldn't know where to fucking go
1: it was one of those ones where you had to point in the direction and then shoot but you couldn't jump and shoot you'd have to be on the ground and i remember that was frustrating i played the hd remake and the controls were so archaic that i couldn't play it because it annoyed me that like every time you jump you couldn't fire your gun and it just seemed so like at that point, it's just like either add the feature in or like don't put the game out because it that was a flaw. Like that was the game flaw when it was made.
7: But these are the games that we just, I just played. I didn't really like go mental with it. Although there was one game that I played once or twice. I can't remember. I never saw it again until I got the emulators was uh, Chuck Rock. Tell me you played Chuck Rock or I'm, I'm going to beat you.
1: The only caveman game I played was Joe and Mac. Oh, you fucking heard what I said. Joe and Mac.
7: Oh, no, that's not really cavemanish, is it?
1: No, nope, but they were cavemen. What was the Viking one? It was a Viking one that was like. It was called Olog and Mac. Was it? <laughs> Sorry, my joke was so shitty. I was like, I'm going to let this one ride out. I made a bad joke just now. Um... <laughs> we're winding down. We are winding up, mate. We're both knackered. I'm probably going to edit this one down to be like a shorter episode, even though I have actually been recording for about an hour and 20 minutes, it's probably not going to be a long episode.
7: No, there's nothing funny about this podcast whatsoever. <laughs> People just like to hear talking. Yeah, before they kill themselves. Super. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to listen to Andy last before I top myself. <laughs>
1: I'm going to just scroll through this list of SNES games. Give me a yay or nay.
7: Alien vs. Predator, you ever play that? No, but I did play Aliens 3. I remember that one had some cool music. Yeah, but it was weird. I didn't really, I couldn't really get on with it. Carry on. Batman Returns. Never played any Batman Return. Batman Returns was cool.
1: The characters were big. It had a cheap as fuck last boss, but it was cool. It was one of those, uh, it was a side scroll brawler. But you could grab people and like slam them into the windows and stuff. Yeah, that was a good one. Battle toads. Battle toads. Yep. Yeah, I definitely played that. Oh, Contra Three, man, the Alien Wars. Contra Three. Let's attack aggressively. That's what it said as the start of the game. Um, <laughs> um Earthworm Jim one and two. F zero.
7: F zero all the way. Yes.
1: Oh, I remember there was a game I liked called Knights of the Round, side scroller, and you played as uh, Percival or uh, Arthur. Mate, What about Final Fight? Yeah, Final Fight was fun. Wasn't Final Fight where it, it's a two-player game in the arcade? But I think like the Super Nintendo one was only one player. I don't like saying facts if I'm if I'm wrong, so I could be wrong about that. But I remembered.
7: You know, well, thing is though, I never had any friends because I lost them all trying to play Streets of Rage. So when I played Final Fight, <laughs> I, only had, I only had myself to play with. So Streets of Rage is still my favorite though. Oh yeah,
1: like of of the the side-scrolling brawlers, like
7: that's still. My ultimate one. We missed out Animaniacs. Did you ever play Animaniacs? I don't think I did. Animaniacs, I'll say it again Animaniacs. It was class, it was really good. Keeps telling me, oh, mate, how can you forget about Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park on this NES was class. Oh, mate, what the fuck? How did we miss this one? Pilot Wings.
1: That's one of those franchises they keep on like saying they're going to bring back and they never do.
7: I thought the N64 version was brilliant. Pilot Wings. I can't believe we didn't say that. I can't believe I didn't even fucking say that. You just did, man. I'm gonna go kill myself. It's on, <laughs> it's, it's on the record. The thing is, though, like back then, I had no time for fucking RPGs and shit. Like that. I was all about action. Mm-hmm. But now, mate, I fucking love um, Nino Kuni on the PS3. I love a bit of Dark Souls. I've got time because I've, I've grown more mature. With age, <laughs> you see, I've got time to. to I, saw, res- I, I saw that you grew a beard. Oh fuck! That was ridiculous. I was going. I was young, man. I was going through a phase. It was stupid.
1: You have a lovely day or lovely evening now. You're just going straight to bed, right? I think I feel like you've been
7: asleep for the past. I, I was meant to get to sleep about an hour ago. So yeah, thanks, Andy. No problem, man. It'll be well worth it. <laughs> Yeah, fucking too, right. <sighs> so it was uh, It was good talking to you, buddy. Yeah, it was great talking to you too, mate. <laughs> oh, well, that's the game, The Lost Vikings. Bye. <laughs> and that was my uh,
1: conversation with Adam McNabb. So that was a lot of fun, and I think we're going to do another one. Uh, in a couple weeks or months, uh, about our favorite N64 games. So that should be uh, pretty cool. What do you think about that, Jake Freeman?
5: It's pretty cool. I think you should do Neo Geo instead, though.
1: Did you play Neo Geo?
5: Yeah, I used to have a system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you said that with like the intonation of like, you had an accent or something. I used to have a system.
5: It was good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I got this cold. I can't laugh. Anyways. Um, Good so, luck. as, uh, as people may, uh, have gathered by now, Jake Freeman is here, aka Protector 101. <laughs> is that how you say hello now?
5: Yes. <coughs>
1: <laughs> so, the, the reason why you're here today, Jake, mm. you have just come out with a new album. Now, wait, is it out or is it coming out?
5: It's coming out.
1: Oh, so I got, like, a pre-release. Yes. I feel like I'm on the inside. You are. So... <laughs> Talk to me about this. So, it's uh, it's called uh, Protector 101 Wastelands. It is. You and I spoke a while ago, and mm. I feel as though you mentioned this, because you were talking mm-hmm. about how you were working on some, uh, like, a Mad Max-inspired...
5: That's it, yeah. There you and go. this is it.
1: See, I remember. You
5: do. I can't believe you remember. Mm. That was a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I even remembered uh, your name. <laughs> Jake Freeman. <laughs> do, you, do you have a middle name? Yes, I do. Is it Louise?
5: No. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You got majorly bummed out right there.
1: I really wanted it to be Louise.
5: Damn it. We can edit it. Sure.
1: Is that a secret? Is your middle name a secret?
5: It's William.
1: William Wallace. Yes. William Wallace. Tell me about uh, (laughs) Wastelands. First of all, I'd like to point out how you've boiled down my interview style. The other day, someone was posting this thing about like a synthwave card based game uh and like there's a whole bunch of characters there would be like an artist in the synthwave scene and then they would have their statistics and a paragraph about like what their superpower is and (laughs) and you made my card i
5: can't remember what i put
1: uh you said something to the effect of and then he'll ask you questions like tell me about uh insert album title (laughs)
5: yeah insert album title music song
1: Well, I'm like, oh man, he just nailed my interview style. That's exactly what I do. Well, that was like one
5: of your your last interviews, I think, with maybe Arcade High. You were just like, tell me about this. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that.
1: You're gonna make me all self conscious now. So now I'm gonna to, I'm gonna have to find different ways to say that same sentence now. <laughs> about tell me uh, wastelands. <laughs> wastelands. Wastelands. Tell me about it. <laughs>
5: Okay, Wastelands is actually, it's been a project that's been going on for pretty much a year right now.
1: 365 days.
5: Actually, yeah, it's probably a little bit longer than that because uh, the time it took to actually make the album. And then when it was actually done from that time until now it's been a year. So maybe like a year and a half. So I'm uh, probably building up this album way more than what it is. <laughs> but it's basically, it's like Mad Max inspired, a little bit of The Warriors, a little bit of Cyborg with Jean-Claude Van Damme.
1: <laughs> did you just say any of those words correctly or what that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good old Jean-Claude.
5: So anyways, it's basically the story is um like with all my other EPs or albums, whatever. I tried to make a little story about it. So, basically, it's two people that meet each other in the apocalypse and they try to make their... Love. Yeah. <laughs> they try to make love the entire time. Mm. So, they're all love songs.
1: Especially uh, track 14, <laughs> The Scum.
5: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, But uh, it's basically yeah, the two of them trying to survive in this, uh, this wasteland. But the thing is, is like, <clears throat> I had this idea, like, the movie the warriors where you had all these different gangs out there Mm -hmm. and they all had like their own theme song so to speak
1: ah okay so that makes sense then because i'm looking through sort of the track titles Mm -hmm. i imagine then anytime a track has like the word gang in brackets that's like the theme song for that gang correct yes track four is called the nuclear brawlers Mm -hmm. track six the night waste yeah. The Vipers, the Storm, the Mutants, mm-hmm. the Scum. The Scum,
5: yes. <laughs>
1: there's only one way to say that. The
5: Scum.
1: The Scum. <laughs> we don't need their scum.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so it's basically about them and um, I had some um some help from some voice actors too. Yeah, and they have uh, Australian voices, so there's that Mad Max kind of vibe to it. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. I, I'll play a track from it. Um I haven't had sort of a chance to really delve deep into the album. So what's what what do you think is a good track to sample?
5: Um I say probably either the Nuclear Bra- Brawlers or The Scum. Yeah.
1: I will say that when I did sort of skip through uh I did like a quick peruse of the album, The Scum was the one that stood out to me. Okay. So maybe I'll play that one. That was the one that
5: uh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's
1: a cool one. Here's a little clip of The Scum. was a clip from the scum (laughs) no no one will know no one will know that we didn't just play that live
5: She said just like a stoner there no one would no one would know (laughs) no one would know
1: (laughs) you know i was just thinking how weird it is the sylvester stallone franchises what they became and how they started i just watched first blood the other day and i hadn't seen first blood in years Mm. how did The Rambo movies end up happening in the tone that they were considering what First Blood was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever wonder that? Like, First Blood is not what Rambo became. No, no. It's a completely different feeling movie. It's about just some dude with, like, PTSD freaking out in the woods.
5: Yeah, it was pretty serious stuff. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and it's serious. And, like, at the end of the film, like, the speech he gives and stuff. The same with the Rocky movies. Mm -hmm. Like, Rocky, when you just watch Rocky 1, it's, like, Mm -hmm. a serious film. And then, like, you watch clips of, like, Rocky 4 and, like, Rocky 3. And, like, how is this? Yeah. I know people love Rocky 4, blah, blah, blah. I personally just think it's so serious silly like I know it's got a it's got a great score right but it's a silly silly film and part three is super silly like I remember Mm -hmm. the scene where he's like fighting Hulk Hogan and stuff Mm -hmm. the dialogue that they dub on top of that fight Mm. Hulk Hogan Oh, I'm going to get you. Oh, I'm going to get you. Like, running around the ring. It's just like a total cartoon. It's like, what is happening? It it
5: it became a parody of itself.
1: I mean, I know people love part four, but I feel like it's one of those, you like it because you watched it when you were a kid. Because it is cheesy as hell. That's not to say it's not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's not what I'm saying.
5: No, I totally get it. Like, part one was definitely the best.
1: And Rambo is the same way. Like, Rambo 2 and 3, they're just like cartoon action films. Right. And it's just funny how, like, the source is just so different
5: yeah well i mean the mad max trilogy was kind of like the last one was just so silly too you know the third one but the second one was pretty badass mm. i mean it is badass the first one was badass too uh, a little bit more dramatically you know a little bit low-key
1: my favorite thing in the first one is just like they're all just a bunch of turkeys. <laughs>
5: <laughs> like, that's like, oh, he did not just say that.
1: Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> yeah. like, You're a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Calling people turkeys is awesome. <laughs> How do you feel about them? Because uh, they're making another Mad Max film right now.
5: Are they? I didn't know well, that. You didn't know that? No, I knew about the video game, but I didn't know about the, no, the Mad Max.
1: Oh, yeah, they're making a movie. Tom Hardy is uh, Mad Max. Hmm. You know, people get a- up in arms. I know we've talked about this before, blah, blah, blah. You know, like Robocop was the most recent one. And, you know, Robocop came and went exactly the way that I said it was going to. If people can, like, scroll back to my thoughts on it, whatever the hell episode it was where we talked about Robocop, where I just said, you know, the remake's going to come out. It's probably going to be, like, an okay film, but it's going to be unremarkable and it's just going to disappear. And that's exactly what happened.
5: Well, that's the thing is, It was just mediocre you either are really good or you're really bad to make any kind of waves in the water
1: I think people are are more upset than they need to be about remakes because every time I do I have the argument with people I try not to get into it because the bottom line is Scarface is might be my favorite film and it's a remake Mm -hmm. So I think that by definition I'm not allowed to hate the concept of remakes as a person if my favorite movie is one you know why? Why does it need to be called Scarface? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like all the arguments that you use against when when making a remake as a is a bad idea. Some of that applies to the, the Al Pacino Scarface movie. Like, there's no reason for it to be called Scarface. He's got a cut on his face. It's only referenced once. Mm-hmm. At no point in the movie is he ever referred to as Scarface. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's the point? Why didn't, why didn't they change the title? You know, like, everyone's just like, why, why even call it Scarface at this point? Like, you could say that about Scarface. Like, why call it Scarface? Because they will do another Scarface movie. They keep talking about it. And everyone gets upset. You know, they're always like, oh, I can't believe they're going to remake Scarface. You can't remake Scarface. I'm like, well, Scarface is a remake. So you have no argument. Like, you can't say that about a remake. Like, that makes no sense. And I bet you in the new one, just because of the way movies are made now, this is my one prediction about that film, whenever it gets made, is the scar is going to play a huge part in the plot. <laughs> because they're going to justify the title. So this will be like, well, you know, like in the other movies, they don't really talk about it. So this one, like Scarface, the movie's all going to be about him getting revenge against the guy who scarred him. Yeah. You know, in his in whatever his home country is.
5: And they're going to make him uh, more tactical. So make him black. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thing is, I love when people get all upset because a lot of people got mad about Robocop. I'm like, they've already driven that franchise into the ground. It's like, <laughs> let's not forget part three. Let's not forget those terrible, like, made-in-Canada TV series they made. <laughs> yeah. Because those were garbage. Like, in Robocop Prime Directives. I remember um, my editing teacher in, in film school had, like, raw footage from those shows. I don't remember why. I'm not sure if he worked on it or if he had a friend who worked on it. So some, one of our editing assignments was taking footage from... The Robocop television show mm. and just trying to edit a scene together, and so like i I did one where I played like the music from Lord of the Rings, that scene in Return of the King where like Sam has to carry Frodo up the mountain mm-hmm. and I made like a really dramatic like standoff between these two Robocops because one of them was bad, and one of them was good <laughs> that's a powerful scene in Lord of the Rings,
5: yeah <laughs> yeah, of course, I might not be able to carry it for you, <laughs> but I can't carry you. <laughs> du, 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 du. and
1: then they start walking i think down. i cried a little at that scene i think i did but the thing was when i when i watched uh, lord of the rings in the theater like the third one i had to sit in like the front two rows because um i had to go to the cinema which was near my hometown which is not very large and so literally they were only playing lord of the rings two times a day on one screen <laughs> so i had to buy my tickets like four days in advance because it was like sold out yeah. Like, the best part about living in the city, there's, like, all these cinemas. Right. And, like, even even the big ones, you can always get a seat to, like, a movie, like, opening day because, you know, like, the big downtown cinema, when a big movie comes out, it'll be on, like, ten screens. It'll be playing, like, ten times a day. hmm you go to a matinee and there'll probably be nobody there like on opening day it'll be like three other people right I mean that's how I've seen all like a lot of huge movies I'll just do it that way mm-hmm. I saw like The Hobbit No Problem I remember when I saw like the second Star Wars movie or like the, like the stupid prequels and I just remember how awkward it was just cause like none of the humor landed cause that movie's terrible uh huh yeah and I just remember those those scenes where C-3PO's getting his head dragged around and he's like oh this is such a drag <laughs> and I just remember just silence just the whole audience was just silent <laughs> Because of how bad that was. Right. And I just remember going like, oh, my God, this is even worse than had I seen it alone. Like, at least if it was alone and I was silent, it'd be like, well, maybe some idiot found that funny. <laughs> but, like, just just to know that nobody did was like, eh. <laughs> Do you have other stuff you want to talk about? Uh, wastelands.
5: We have a master control program, aka Dwayne Diebold. He's doing the Diebold. artwork. I know. Diebold. I, I love that. Diebold. Diebold. <laughs> Diebold. <laughs> He's he, he'll be doing the artwork, which is uh, looking really kick ass. It's going to be uh, released on Telefuture Records on uh, physical format cassette. Uh, we have a nice special uh, package for it too. It's going to have some, some of them is going to have some stickers and some buttons and it's going to be really awesome. Cool. Really looking forward to it. It, I mean, it's a year in the making, a little bit over a year, but I think it's definitely worth the wait.
1: When is the release? Do you know?
5: I'm going to say hopefully within the next month or two.
1: Anyways, man, we should probably uh, wrap this up here. This is going to be like a two hour episode. Yeah,
5: I know it is. Hey, I wanted to tell you something really quick. Um, Since we didn't record last night, I uh, got Akira the 25th anniversary edition on Blu-ray. And I watched it and it was so fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's all I really had to say. But it was just like, it was like, I've seen that movie so many times. And then I put it on last night and it, on Blu-ray for the first time on the big screen and surround sound.
1: That's cool, man. Yeah,
5: you just go back to those times where you're just like, man, no wonder why. This movie is kick-ass. Like, how come I don't watch this every day?
1: I love watching uh, stuff on Blu-ray, man. Yeah. I, like when I when I finally got like Scarface on Blu-ray and watched it it was just like ah. Oh. <laughs> it made me so happy. It just made me so happy.
5: Yeah, you know, you're just like looking at it, you're like, "Man, this looks beautiful." Now
1: I can't wait to rebuy my entire collection in 4K. 4K. Whatever, no. Yeah, and then yeah. they'll have
5: 8K. Yeah. Hey, did you see the remastered of RoboCop? No. The um actually remastered it to 4K resolution and then brought it down to 1080p. They did a really good job.
1: So that release then isn't... I thought there was a way that they could just fit a 4K video file on a Blu-ray disc. Maybe
5: that's what they did.
1: I feel like they can do that. Okay. Because I know like the, the, the... the RoboCop I have has no special features. Right. I feel like a four K movie would still be under like fifty gigs. Yeah. Must be if it's yeah. just the film, like just a DVD menu and a yeah.
5: Also the uh, remastered uh, Terminator, the original. That that one's really good too. That one looks ooh. Yeah, it looks fucking crystal clean. Like it's weird.
1: I love Terminator so much.
5: Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. The score on that is just awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it is awesome.
5: It's got this cheesy effect to it. And I was like, that was one of the things in the extras. They were talking about the guy who did the score and how he had to do everything by hand. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't sequenced or anything because he didn't have that technology.
1: That to me is what's so cool about uh, old electronic music, how how analog they actually had to do it. Like I'm a, I say this every so often, but like I am a huge uh, classic Doctor Who fan and Mm. it's the theme song from Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. is sort of a very iconic, because it's actually one of the first, like, electronic Mm -hmm. scores.
5: It's beautiful, yeah.
1: And the original one, like, the 1960s version, the lady who actually, like, put it together, some lady called Delia Derbyshire, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's all manual. Like, every note had to be manually, like, recorded onto, like, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the tracks. Right. And then, like, put down, like, so, I mean... To say it was electronic, like, it wasn't just played on a keyboard, like, Mm -hmm. she had to, like, individually paste each note.
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then it somehow came out with that sort of weird effect, and it's so cool, like, uh, that to me. Because even, like, in in Terminator, what I love Mm -hmm. about the Terminator song is it's not quite, it's not perfect. Like the, no. the, the timing of it, mm-hmm. it's off a little bit, yep. but that's what it's charming. about. It.
5: You well, know, that's definitely, yeah. And that was, that was kind of one of the things I was trying to do with wastelands is things that don't match up. Like I always have things that are just slightly a tiny bit off. Like that Tom drum doesn't hit directly on that quarter beat, you know, it's slightly off. And that's mm-hmm. what I like to, um, if you ever see surf Nazis must die, John McCalum's score on that is very similar in in that aspect where the the sequencing kind of gets off a little bit. Right. It eventually comes back. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And you're like, oh, dude, that's so awesome. (laughs)
1: Anyways. Well, it was good talking to you. Good catching up. So people can look forward to uh, Protector 101 Wastelands in the coming months. And uh, maybe I'll close off with another track. What was the other one we said? I I played a sample from The Scum.
5: Uh, I was thinking uh, Nuclear Brawlers.
1: Okay, so I'll 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 end off the show with uh, with a little clip from uh, from Nuclear Brawlers. So you have a, you have a lovely evening, Jake Freeman.
5: You too, Mr. Andy Last.
1: And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again. Okay. And here is a clip from the track The Nuclear Brawlers off the upcoming Protector one oh one album Wastelands. Tell the future. Pardon me? Telefuture. Tell the future. Tell the future? That's
5: the that's that's the record label it's gonna be released on. You should probably throw that in there. <laughs>